How you doing, Alvin? Hi, Dr. Huxtable. How are you? Thanks for letting me in. It's okay. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Huxtable. Hello, Alvin. Is Sandra ready? Well, uh, not yet, but she'll be down in a little while. Would you and Dr. Huxtable like some coffee? Coffee? Yeah, coffee. You mean you're going to get it? Yes. You're surprised? I'm sorry, Mrs. Huxtable. I didn't think you did that kind of thing. What kind of thing? You know, serve. Serve whom? S serve him. Oh, serve him! As in serve your man? Well, yeah. Let me tell you something, Elvis. You see, I am not serving Dr. Huxtable, okay? Okay. That's the kind of thing that goes on in a restaurant. Now, I'm going to bring him a cup of coffee, just like he brought me a cup of coffee this morning. And that young man is what marriage is made of. It is give and take 50-50. And if you don't get it together and drop these macho attitudes, you are never going to have anybody bringing you anything, anywhere, anyplace, anytime, ever. <laughs> What would you like in your coffee? Maybe I could get you some coffee. Oh, but that's all right. I don't mind getting it, but thanks for offering. Alvin? Yes, sir? When she brings the coffee back, if I were you, I wouldn't drink it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to talk about black motherhood. Shout out to Claire Huxtable, one of the dopest black mothers of all time. On this week's podcast, we have a special co-host. The co-host is no stranger to the show as she's been on the podcast several times. It's my homegirl, Shantae. Shantae is the CEO of HER. That's an acronym for HEAL empower, restore. And they talk about the effect of trauma on the brain, your behavior, relationship attachment disorder, and self-parenting. Now, Shantae is a lot of things, but more importantly, she's a great mother and a very close friend. And we go way back. So it felt really cool to sit down and interview her and just talk about her journey through motherhood and just being a black mother. Now, you don't necessarily have to be a mother to have listened to this podcast. But I want you to sit back, relax, we'll drop the theme music, and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. just like that we are back once again it's your boy 12 kyle this is the 12 kyle podcast and as i mentioned in the intro uh we have a special co-host coming on this week uh this co-host uh needs no introduction so i'm not giving a damn introduction (laughs) (laughs) seriously she's been on the podcast before uh several times um Great friend of the show, someone who, according to Facebook, I've known for 11 plus years. It really doesn't seem that long, but it's been longer than that, actually. Uh, we go back like cook crack. My home girl Shantae is in the building. Shantae, what up? Hello, hello, hello. What's cracking? <laughs> Nothing much. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's going on in H Town? 
Um, lots of pretty days. Well, I lie. We had some rain a few okay. days ago, but just hotness, humidity. Yeah, man. <laughs> I can imagine. Got got the yeah. curls out? No, my hair is actually straight right now, what? and it's suffering. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be on the next seven selfies that you post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get you on the podcast. Obviously, we're talking about uh, black motherhood. And, um, you know, when I started looking around, I started thinking about some of my friends who are, you know, mothers and everything. And you were, like I said, one of the first people that jumped to my mind. Um, You know, as we're approaching Mother's Day, I I thought it'd be fitting to, you know, actually get someone on the podcast who is a mother and can talk about motherhood. And it's not necessarily, I want for those of you listening, if you're not a mother, uh, because many of you who will listen is won't be mothers, but I want you to get this perspective because I'm not a mother. So (laughs) I can't really (laughs) tell you much about mothers other than mine. Um, But I wanted to, you know, really just kind of salute black women and black mothers in particular, because a lot of times, uh, they are constantly and systematically overlooked, and they are truly, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, uh, the backbone of our family and the backbone of our community. Um, so if we're going to talk about motherhood, so I guess we probably should start from the beginning. Um, tell me about your mother, and in what ways are you guys similar, and what ways are you different? Um, my mother is also a very good surprise, surprise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how we're similar well growing up my mom was a stickler for my sister and me being ladies and I will remember this till the day I die she would always say you guys are going to be ladies even if it kills me Mm. it's the quiet woman in the corner minding her own business business who get all the men's attention anyway you don't have to be loud you don't have to be you know doing all the extra stuff to get attention you get attention by minding your business because people are always intrigued by the woman minding her own business Thanks. and that that it sticks with me and she was a stickler for appearance and her words were when you leave this house you represent me and your daddy and if the black of your thigh is showing you know meaning in the crease where you <laughs> you know <laughs> your butt meets your thigh <laughs> like if i can see your black it's too short don't leave this house without combing your hair and when you get married you represent your husband and if you're not married you represent yourself so my mom was really big on big on that, and just like, and every day she would tell us, "You're a queen. You don't have to settle for anything." And when you're in a relationship with a man, when you're tired, you'll know. And until then, nobody can tell you anything. But I'll always be here to support you, no matter what. Wow. So that was wow, that was my mom, mom in a nightshell. <laughs> wow. So any any ways that you guys are similar or different? We're different. Um, I'm more of a free spirited parents like I'm not so and I don't want to say hands-on like I'm an absent mother but I leave more room for my children to come into their own Um, I wanted them to always be free thinkers and to be able to make decisions on their own without me telling them directly this is what you should do you have to do it this way you have to do it that way Um, because I want them to develop critical thinking skills Mm. and just be more of a guiding hand instead of you know a rulership over them Um, And we're very similar because we are very, very protective of our children, um, always emotionally available to the children um, to make sure they grow up with as least emotional problems as possible. So that's how we're more similar, more not alike, at least to me. 
So it sounds like the apple don't fall too far from the tree. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That is a truly a good thing. Um, so now your journey as a mother, um, I guess I probably should also ask, uh, when did you know that you were ready to have kids? I didn't. Um, I, I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was never one of those little girls or teenagers who grew up thinking about like having a husband and a house and, you know, the white picket white fence, fence and right, the children. Right. <laughs> All I ever wanted in life was to be a businesswoman and to travel the world doing business. And um, I was fairly young, you know, when I got pregnant with my, my first child. And I can honestly say, in my personal opinion, I think it was divine timing because I was ready to just go buck wild and do some stuff I knew I had no business doing. So I kind of had to grow up with my oldest child. So, mm. so he saved me, I would say, from doing probably things that were irreparable okay. to my own self and my own life. So how old were you when you had him? Um, 18, just oh, a few wow. months after my 19th birthday. Wow. Young book. <laughs> Very young. Still a baby myself. <laughs> right, right, right. That, that's always interesting, though, because that that also, you know, that dynamic, that also can lead to a lot of closeness, uh, you know, with you and your child as well. You know, when you're kind of, like you said, growing up with your kid and everything. So I always, I always wonder with women, like, you know, like you said, because some do grow up, you know, being the princess and, you know, marrying the guy coming in on the <laughs> the white horse and, <laughs> you know, that type of lifestyle. Like you said, the, the two kids, the white picket fence with two kids and a dog and the whole nine. And then there are others that don't really necessarily dream about, you know, becoming a mother, but at some point become a mother and how they transition into that where, world. Were you uh, Were you nervous at all about becoming a mother? No. Absolutely not. Like it just came so naturally, honestly. Um, and that's not to brag or anything, but it, it really just came very, very naturally. I think my son and I had like a very intuitive relationship since he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was upset and not happy, he would be very fussy. If I was calm, he was calm. Um, and I had a great example in my mom. Like I knew you know, just by watching her, how to be a nurturer. And I, by nature, am a very nurturing person. So it it just came very, very naturally. Okay, okay. And Um, I was an older sister, so I had to take care of my younger sister, (laughs) even though there's only a two-year difference. Really? Just two years? Just two years. But, you know, being the oldest, you still get that Mm -hmm. mother-like, I don't know, experience, you know, because you have to be responsible for the younger one in a lot of ways. Indeed, big sister. You got to be the big sister. Right. Um, so, when you got pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> other than your husband, who was the first person that you told that you were pregnant? And was there anybody you were afraid to tell that you were pregnant? Yes, I had a friend I worked with um, <clears throat> at, at JC Penny, and we were really close. And I was nervous. Because I'm like, my dad is going to kill me. Always <laughs> oh, go back to dad. And I told him, and he's like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, what do you mean what I'm going to do? Like, my only option here is to have this baby. Right, right, right. <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, I didn't even consider any other options. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a bust. 
And so I told, you know, of course, the, my son's dad. But other than that, I didn't tell anybody. And my mom, she came into my room. She's like, you're pregnant, aren't you? Wow. And I'm like, how do you know? And I just burst into tears. And she just hugged me. And she's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mom always knows. Right. And the person I was most afraid of telling was my dad. And wow. he was livid. Really? <laughs> livid. What did he say? Oh, my God. Like, I can't even tell you what he said. Because it was like he was mad. And he's like, you're supposed to go to college and be a pediatrician. And you're just messing up your life. And blah, 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 blah. And as soon as that was over, as soon as his rant was over, every single day in my pregnancy, he was there. He was nurturing. You need this. You need that. You need this. You need that. And when the baby got here, like, they were inseparable. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. all of that <laughs> for you to just be all up on this baby and loving this baby. And, like, when he's sick, my dad would come and get the baby and look at me like, I made him sick. And, you know, like more protective than me. <laughs> wow, so, that was amazing. It was a great experience. Uh, my parents have always been there from day one with my sons. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I remember... Um... I was, and of course it's different because I'm I was the man, but um, <laughs> I was I was scared to tell my mom. I really was petrified to tell. I mean, telling my dad would have been no problem, but I was extremely terrified to tell my mom because I just didn't know what she was gonna say, you know. And it didn't help the fact that you know my girlfriend and my wife now at the time, Sharice, we were living together and stuff like that. We lived together in college. She wasn't a, she wasn't a fan of us living together. Any, any right? You know, that first time, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> when I told her we were gonna move in together, she was like, "Boy, I ain't raised you to be shacking up." <laughs> that's the first thing she said. But what was interesting was, I remember distinctly right before we found out that she was pregnant. I want to say maybe about a month or so. My mom and I, my mom and I had a conversation. And we were on the phone, and she was just like, well, you know, uh, Sister Ma- Sister Mary Jean at the church, she had her first grandbaby. And uh, uh, you remember uh, you remember Miss Johnson? Uh, she had her first grandbaby last week, and he is so adorable. And I'm like, Mom, what, what, Mom, what are you trying to tell me? She was like, well, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I was like, are you really trying to tell me to have a child? <laughs> so... I just remembered that conversation and when she told me that and so I, I just you know so when I actually told her you know that we were expected I didn't get no yelling or nothing she just she was just so happy Aww. she was she was <laughs> thrilled and you know given the fact that uh, our son Dion was the, he was the first grandchild on both sides um, it was just it was a special time but yeah I just I was extremely I mean like I was when she, when I gave her the news and she, you know, you know, was so happy and I could hear the, the joy in her voice, uh, I felt like the world was lifted off my shoulders. I felt like I, I sure. felt like I could, tell, <laughs> I felt like I could I'm tell sure. the world because <laughs> she was the first person that I told. So uh, no, really, no, no, wait a minute, let me go back. I think I told my brother first. My brother's three years younger than me. I think I told him first, and you know, one of the first things he said was, he was like, "You talking to mom yet?" And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm "Like, nah, not yet." He was like, well, I talked to her earlier. You might want to call her today because she's in a good mood. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call her. 
isn't it crazy how sibling relationships are like that? It's, like it's it, so beautiful. It is. It is. And it, you know, we we both had a good read on her. And I mean, she would have even if she was in a bad mood, that would have made her in, a, in an even better mood. But I always, when I saw that question, I thought it started thinking about you know as I was doing this podcast and everything. I was like, I gotta ask her this because I just remember <laughs> how it was for me. And I know it's a little different because again. You know, wasn't I was she wasn't there. And then given the fact that I wasn't even in my hometown, I was in Atlanta by this time. Um, But uh, it was crazy. But um, so when we're talking when we're talking about motherhood, I guess the next question I have actually is more of a statement. I want you to describe yourself as a mother. So I know what your sons might say, but I want you to describe yourself as a mother. Sure. Um, I would say I'm more of a. A free spirited mm-hmm. mother. Um, I want to say flower child ish, but <laughs> <laughs> which is very free spirited. Um, allow a lot of room for error, um, but also giving correction when I feel like, look, you've gone too far. Mm-hmm. You might want to consider this the next time something like this comes up. Um, just this weekend, my son, her, one of his teachers texted me and asked if he could help her set up for her dad's 80th birthday party because she chose some children that she has a good rapport with children mm-hmm. that she feel are responsible. And could he help her set up for her dad's birthday party, his 80th birthday party. And before I could get a chance to respond to the text, um, because she texts both my son and me, okay. he responded back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be out of town with my dad. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so, I saw that he sent me a text outside of that group text. Mom, tell her I'm going to be out of time with my dad. But, you know, I didn't get any of these messages until maybe 30 minutes later. And he had already done the damage. Okay. And so I texted him like, you know, you're not going to be out of time with your dad. And you lied to her. It says a lot about her or a lot about you for her to trust you. Mm -hmm. But it also says a lot about your integrity and your character for you to lie to her. You know, if you didn't want to do it, you should have just said, I don't want to do it or I'm not available. But the fact that you lied, I can't lie. I'm disappointed in you. But it says more about you that you lied. And later he went back and he told, well, I can be available from two to four. And I didn't <laughs> want him to feel pressured. You know, like if you don't don't do anything you don't want to do, but don't lie either. Right. Because, you know, it says a lot about you when you lie to people. So I just always wanted my children to grow up. You know, with manners, to be respectful of other people, to be mindful of other people, to be gentlemen, but to to also have integrity. So I guess as a mother, I just wanted to raise very stand up men who treat people fairly and equally. Hmm. I like that. I like that. And, and that's a great thing to instill because, you know, particularly for young men, well, young women, too, but men in particular, you know, and I, and I told my sons this, too, you know, you know stay stay true to your word and right. you know when you are dependable and people can count on you that goes a long way and it does like you said it, that <laughs> says a lot because i'm pretty sure that teacher there's a probably more than a handful of kids that she could have called or didn't want to call because she knows she, she couldn't depend on them you know right and that says a lot and that also says a lot about you know his relationship and everything like that i I get where he's coming from because, you know, if it's a Saturday, he probably doesn't want to spend this Saturday. But just say you can't or, you know, I'm not available. <laughs> but, you know, that, that you know, and he probably was thinking from the perspective of I'm the child. I'm not supposed to necessarily tell this adult no. 
So And I get that, but I also tell him you have your own opinion. True. You know, you're your own person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do unless it's something that you really need to do. Gotcha. You know, so it's not like you grow up with this instilled fear of I got to obey all the adults. No, you require respect just like adults require respect. So, mm-hmm. no, there was no reason for him to lie. <laughs> We're not going with that. There was no reason for him to lie. And he's going to France with her over the summer. It's a group of oh, them from wow. school taking um, a trip to France, a nine day trip. And it's like, you're going away to another country with this woman. And if you're in her good graces, I'm pretty sure she'll look out for you mm-hmm. more because she has a rapport with you. Exactly. And not just for that reason, but, you know, it goes a long way, as you said. Well, trust me, I, I can't really think of too many of my teachers would have asked me to come. <laughs> yeah. It's a couple of them probably would have never said that text. Oh, well, him? Kyle? Oh, no, I Let's move on down. <laughs> move on down this roll. Um, okay, so let's go back. Um, okay. The first year of motherhood. How how was what was that first year of motherhood like for you, if you can remember? And and do you think you were ill prepared for it? I do feel I was ill prepared emotionally. Okay. Um, that year, I was an emotional wreck. Um, <laughs> I tried to breastfeed him and he wouldn't latch on. He couldn't latch on. And I cried and cried and cried. Like, why won't my baby latch on? I'm not a good mother. I can't even feed my baby my own milk. Like, I was emotional. And I'm laughing because the same thing happened. (laughs) And I just cried and cried and cried. But I had my mom there with me. So, because I was still living home. Okay. So I had my mom with me, but it helped me to grow up emotionally very, very quickly. That year was very emotional, but it was also um, a high time emotional watching this little being that you gave life to, you know, come into his own and, you know, begin to develop and become his own person was such a beautiful experience, like very, very beautiful. So it was both emotional and beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that, and, and I like I said, I couldn't help but laugh because we went through the same thing with Dion in the hospital. And it was just, I mean, Sharice is just like, she was having a fit. And I'm like, look, and then, you know, once they gave him a bottle, it was a wrap. He wasn't going to. Yeah. Nurse. So it was just like, he got the bottle. He's like, man, I don't need that over there. I got this right here. Just bring that to me, you know. And so she was not happy about that. And, you know, me being a new father, I didn't necessarily understand and um she's gonna kill me for telling the story <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's the truth though but it, it happens and you know it's it's one of those things where you know parenthood in particular you don't really i mean you could tell people about it but when you're in those shoes it's it's the it, you have to make that walk you know it's not really right much that experience people. is your own yeah exactly i mean people can give you advice and kind of help you along the way but and i'm pretty sure it, it helped having your parents there but at the same time you know just being a mom i mean you you were solely responsible for this young man so you know. right and i just felt so inadequate like i can't even feed my baby like this is what my body is made to do and i can't even do that <laughs> were you uh at that time since you were young were you uh were you even concerned about uh, society's perception. I mean, because like, you know, a lot of times we see, well, maybe not so much as now, but you know, I guess when we were coming up, 
you'd see girls, teenage girls, young, young adults pregnant and, you know, the way it quote unquote looked, you know, uh, teen moms and stuff like that were kind of quote unquote looked down upon. Did you ever worry about that or was that ever a concern? My only concern with that was I didn't want people to look at my mother any kind of way with her being at the time she was a preacher and she's a pastor now, but at the time she was a preacher and I didn't want anybody judging her according to my actions because she raised me right, you know, Mm -hmm. air quotes around right, you know, according to the church, but I made my own decisions. And actually, um, when I was in my last trimester of my pregnancy, uh, some of the women at the church, they were having a fish fry for something (laughs) and they... (laughs) You know, black church, you know, we always have fish fries. Fish fry and building funds. <laughs> you know, it may have been for the building funds, I was just saying. <laughs> and they all, we were in the kitchen, and I was only there because my mom was there, whatever, because uh, we lived at church. Like, we lived at church. Mm. And they all just kind of surrounded me and told me, you know, their stories about how they were got pregnant out of a wedlock. Some of them, you know, as young as 15 years old. Some of them had been pregnant and, you know, really young and had miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And some of them had, you know, been pregnant and actually gave birth to their babies. And they were just, you know, loving on me and letting me know that they were still proud of me. Like, you're still smart. You're still beautiful. We, we don't look at you any differently. Um, you're still the same as you've always been to us, you know, we don't shun you, we don't, we don't look down on you, and you're not alone, you're not the first one to have gotten pregnant out of wedlock, and that just did something for me, like, it, um, it alleviated all of my, you know, fears, and, you know, uh, feeling people would look at me differently, um, because of the church, you know, as far as society in general, I've never cared, like, I've always been, been different, I've always kind of, you know, dance to the beat of my own drum so that aspect I wasn't it had no bearing on me at all but it was the church that I was most concerned about because of my mom it sounds like you went to a great church because uh at the church that I grew up <laughs> you <laughs> let the preacher really kid get did. sick like I mean family. to get pregnant oh it's a problem <laughs> it's a problem Man, wow. I won't believe reverend such and such child out here getting being fast and getting pregnant <laughs> and they kids doing the same thing yes. just not getting caught yes exactly exactly <laughs> Oh, and the man. crazy thing is I was one of the last people that I knew, like in my high school class, among mm-hmm. my friends, whatever, to lose my virginity. Like I lost my virginity my senior year of high school, like almost 17 years old. Damn. Like one of the last time. people that I knew to even lose my virginity. And so it's like I really was a good girl. I got caught up. <laughs> you should have been like me and lost your virginity at 28. Oh, hush. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that is so funny um as far as black mothers uh what do you think some of the biggest issues that black mothers face right now in today in you know today's society um i can't speak for all mothers mm-hmm. but like for me like having only sons um it's it's been kind of hard for me to fully trust God with my children and their safety and well-being and to not project that fear like a Trayvon Martin kind of fate Mm. onto my children you know and like reassuring myself that God made a promise to me that he would always keep my children safe that he would always keep my children in the palm of his hand you know and always having to refer back to that when you know I'm driving down the street in the neighborhood and I see somebody pulled over and I'm looking to make sure it's not my son you know like for me, that has been the hardest thing thing to deal with, just raising black men in America. 
you know, the emotional issues, the spiritual issues, like I feel I'm well equipped to handle those things. But it's just that that like not wanting that Trayvon Martin kind of fate for your children. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very hard in America being a black mom. Mm. Man, you preaching. <laughs> Trust me, as a black father, I see this. I, it's the same thing. I mean, it's like, you know, I feel so comfortable when they're at home, you know. Yes. But when they're not, and then, you know, having the oldest one go off to college. And I was just like, Shh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, and then, right. the, you know, it was just like you just you know hold you hold your breath and then you turn on the news and then you see these stories about these kids getting in trouble and kids getting hurt and killed and stuff like that and you know at the other end of that story there's a parent you know and you don't ever want to be that parent and like you said you want we all want our children to be protected because i think you know that's one of the number one priorities uh, as a parent is to keep your child you know from any hurt harm or danger exactly Um, at the same time you know you want to also you don't you don't want to instill in your kids to that fear that fear (laughs) but but it's kind of hard not to project that fear when you're fearful i mean because stuff just happens so fast and you know it does it's not like and i mean i don't know how it was bad when we grew up but it, it, it just didn't seem as bad as it is now i mean you know so i i totally understand so that's um I think that's a, a issue that us black fathers face as well. It's just, you know, and all we can do is pray, you know, and then right. just try to t- try to teach them how to be safe. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's like it's not real. It's not a real safety, but <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, and I, it's a I mean, false sense of security. One of the hardest things, and I know you've had this conversation with your son. You know, having that talk about how to handle your interactions with police. Yeah, I mean. And, you know, I remember having that same conversation with my parents and it was like, you know, don't ride four or five deep in a car. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I mean, like, and I, and I remember being lectured on that stuff. And I remember telling myself, well, when I had kids, yeah, yeah, that too, (laughs) (laughs) other than being racially profiled about 10 times in my life. Um, but getting to the point of saying, well, you know, when I have kids that I won't have to worry about having this conversation. And, and we still do. We still do. You know, hopefully long time from now when we have grandkids, hopefully they won't have to live in that world. But, you know, it's unfortunate. But um right. but no, I totally understand where you're coming from on that one. That 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 is something that I think we all face and we all have to deal with. Um speaking of, do you think it's harder now to raise a child as opposed to when your mother was raising you and your sister? Or do you I, think it's easier? Go ahead. Well, I said, or do you think it's easier? I don't think it's easier or more difficult. Um, I just think it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there were challenges that they faced back then. Like, I know, I remember growing up, um, it seems like it's all the same. There were little girls. I remember, like, our entire community was shook. Like, this little girl got abducted and she was raped, mm. you know. Or, you know, children coming up missing and, you know, watching out for the, the, the raper man. And, you know, it's it's like it's it's still the same. It's just been updated to meet the technology yes. that we're in now. It's like it's always been the same. Um, you know how some people are like, oh, we're closer now to the end than we've ever been. Or, you know, every generation is wiser but weaker. It's, it's cyclical to me. Yes. It's just updated to the ways that we live our lives now. So it's not any better or any worse. It's, it's still the same, mm. you know. That's it's just adapted to the way we live our lives now. That is so true. That is a great perspective. And you're right. Technology is kind of caught up, yeah. but it's, you know, you know, the, like the old people saying, ain't really too much new under the sun. You know, it's, it's just not. we're, we're it's being really exposed not. to more, but it's, it's still there. And, and that's, 
definitely a concern for any black mother. Um, what has surprised you most about motherhood? Um, what has surprised me most about motherhood? My children, actually, like it's um, it's so amazing to watch them come into their own yes. and form their own personalities and to see you and their dad in them, but to see them in their own light. Mm-hmm. Um, I read something a while ago that says that our children are, are more evolved versions of us. Wow. And I don't know why that stuck with me. And I look at my children and they are very much more evolved versions of, of, I see parts of me, but more evolved parts of me in them. Like my oldest son, he is a daredevil. Like there's nothing (laughs) he won't try, you know? And I've always been a rebel. It is. And it (laughs) isn't. Like I commend that because I remember like, I wish I would have taken more chances, but I was always so you know, afraid of what my parents would think, like mm-hmm. wanting to never disappoint my parents. And I feel like I missed out on doing some things because I didn't want them to to be disappointed in me. And him, it's like, well, I'm just doing that. I'll suffer the consequences later. And it's like, it has its drawbacks, but I commend that. Like, live your life and find what sticks, find what works for you. Mm. And my youngest son, he's just so loving and so, so kind, but he also... It, you know, will let you know, like, you're not going to treat me this way. Like, no, that's not fair. Well, how would you feel if somebody did that to you? And I was never outspoken as a child. Okay. Out of, you know, respect, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. But I always wish I would have, you know, <laughs> stood up for myself more, you know. <laughs> oh, man. And so I respect funny. them as individuals, you know, as, as their own people, as young men coming into their own. And like some of their attributes, like, I wish I was more like that. Like I take chances, but they were undercover chances. Like I wouldn't let everybody know what I did, you know, but him, he's like, no, you're going to see what I'm doing. Wow. (laughs) Undercover chances. That sounds just like you. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a good point too. And I I never really thought about it. Like evolved versions of ourselves. I I could definitely see that. And I, I, Sometimes I see certain things in our uh, our middle son Cameron, and he reminds me so much of myself. And then, like some of the the little quirks and stuff that he has that I had that I really don't want him to have. Like I just want to just choke him. <laughs> like <laughs> trying to parent the you out yeah. of your children. Oh my god! Yes, Q. <laughs> I'm telling you, this dude he he is me, he is me at, at the age that I was, and I'm like okay, but he's just you know so carefree and so laid back and so cool. Yep. And it's like, bro, I need you to be a little bit more uh, assertive than cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he's like, and he's probably thinking, well, dad, you, you assertive and you cool. You know, hey, what's, what's the, you know, what's the deal? And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, I need you just to, to push a little more. I don't need to have to keep pushing you. I want you to develop that push within yourself. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. I see a lot of them, uh, both of us actually, in, in, in our children. And it, it is, it's a beautiful thing, especially as you see them evolve as they get older. Right. Um, the scary thing is, is when you look at them and you realize that they're an adult. Yes, That's that is scary. very, very scary. It's very hard to deal with because um, you don't feel like they're ever really. Mm-mm. No. You know? <laughs> no. I mean, think about it. You, you have two you've raised two young men and you have you know your mother and father there and i'm pretty sure on many levels you are like your parents equal you don't you may not ever say i'm equal to my mother and dad dad but you really are 
you may not right, ever see yourself. You are. Yeah, exactly. You may not ever, and your sister as well. Um, right. You, but you just see yourself as just you're still their little baby, <laughs> and that's the way they still going to see you. That's how you see you. your children. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> it's 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 always great to see their evolution. So the next question I had is, what do you want a wish for your kids? Um, above anything else, above all other answers, I wish them genuine happiness. Because um, so many of us grow up with our parents' expectations, what society expects of us. Like you're supposed to get this, go to college, get this mm. great job, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be whatever, and you know, get married, have children, and that will make you happy. And a lot of people did that, and they're not happy. I personally believe that we all have gifts and talents that we were born with that are to be utilized and maxed out for the greater good. And ultimately, that's our purpose for coming here, whatever our natural gifts and talents are. And that's what genuinely makes us happy. And so above anything else, I wish my children genuine happiness. Amen. I I agree totally. I think it's we want the best for them. Um, as they get older, <laughs> sometimes we see that what we determine the best may not necessarily be what they will determine the best. But, um, you know, that's uh, that's what we want. We, and, and genuinely, you want your child to be happy right? because and you want them to you know be happy and productive citizens in whatever they choose to do. And not necessarily, you know, because we came up in an era where they were, you you. They said, hey, you go to college or you go get a job, you get something and you work at this place and you work for 20, 30 years and you retire and live happily, you know, start a family, you live happily ever after. Uh, it don't really work like that. <laughs> it doesn't. And how many of us have done that? And we're not happy at our jobs, not happy with this life. We're stuck in these offices on these beautiful days like, man, I wish I could be out there. What? But no, I'm stuck here <laughs> working for somebody else. And when I get off, it's going to be dark because I have this hour commute home. And right. when I get there, I'm tired. tired I have right. to decompress before I deal with and, my family. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's definitely interesting. And it's it's times have definitely changed. And I think you, even like one of the things that I try to actually both me and my wife, we instill in the kids. We don't necessarily say like, you know, when you get out into the world and you're working a job, because I don't want to necessarily confine them to necessarily think that they have to work for someone else right you know, that was right. entrepreneurship never really was pitched to me until I got to college you know really and even though I saw it around me growing up you know but it wasn't ever really pitched to me as in something that hey this is something you you know you could you could do this on your own you don't necessarily have to go punch a nine to five for someone else um, right and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about the talents that our children possess every child has six or seven maybe tit to ten ta- challenge uh, excuse me talents and it's up to us as parents to you know help develop and uh you know let those talents evolve and you know one of the things that i think some of us get kind of bogged down with as parents is that you know we go by the model that our parents set forth and then we tell them, okay, well, Hey, you, you know, cause I went to college with a whole bunch of kids that didn't have any business in college. You know, they were just <laughs> wasting their parents money, you know, and they really weren't fit for that. They probably would have done better if they had gone to work or if they had gone into the military, or if they'd gone done some, whatever they wanted to do per se. Um, right. Or even a trade school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or a trade, you know, and it's, but it's about whatever their talents were. And some people have a talent for so many different things. 
Right. Um, so I, I agree with you a thousand percent there. It, it's we, we want the best for them. We definitely want the best for them. They, they may not see it at this stage. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they'll realize it later on in life. Um, what else? The what advice would you give to to a young mother listening to this? Because this podcast is all over the world. Um, everybody, you know, in, in different countries, listen to this podcast. Even though I don't speak any different languages on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> a young mother listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to them about you know? Uh, I, you know, I, let's let's take that back. A young black mother listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to them? To more than anything, find your calm, find your center, mm. and mother from that place of calm. Mm. Mother from your place of peace. Because a lot of times we mother out of fear, we mother out of being tired, you know, we mother out of out of so many different places, but it's very rare that we find our center and find our calm and find that grounded place to mother from, you know, to take time for yourself, to come to yourself and give to yourself so that you're better able to give to your children and anybody else. Um, just mother from your place of calm, from your centeredness. Damn, I might need to put that in a book. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that was dope, Q. Um, yeah, that, that's, that is, that is very good. I, I, I totally agree that, and it's something you really don't really think about because, uh, I don't know how calm my mom was when, when me and my brother were cutting up. <laughs> and you get very, very frustrated. Um, and so you begin to mother from that place of being frustrated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's not relayed over well to the children. They'll either line up out of fear or they'll keep doing the same thing and mirror back to you, your frustrated energy. Like whatever energy you're giving children, they're going to mirror that back to you. Mm, mm, great point. Great point. All right. So before we get out of here, I got a little game I want to play with you. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Now, you know I got a curveball for you. Uh, of course. <laughs> this game is called Things a Black Mother Would Say. So oh, okay. what I what I need for you is your translation on this. And I just wrote a couple of things down here. Um, <laughs> things a black mother would say. Okay. I'm not one of your little friends. What does that mean? Um, I'm grown. You're a child. <laughs> I'm not boo-boo the fool. I'm not one of your little friends. So I'm going to need for you to respect me <laughs> as your mother. Oh, that is so funny. And you know what's even more funny was that was my next one. Do I look like Boo Boo the Fool? <laughs> None of us know who Boo Boo the Fool is, but yeah, we, we don't know, know mama ain't that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um Do you think money grow on trees? You're asking for too no, no, much. No. Yeah, yeah, okay. There, there, there you go. You're asking for too much. You're asking for too much. You're gonna need to get a job or something because I am not an ATM machine. <laughs> Things a black mother would say. Stop all that crying before I give you something to cry about. Stop crying. I'm whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but wait a minute. Sometimes you just got your ass whooped and then they say, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Because it wasn't that bad. Now you're just being extra. <laughs> all right, y'all, and you're getting on my nerves with all that damn crying. <laughs> y'all hear the translation. All right. Um, things a black mother would say. You got some McDonald's money? Uh, we're going to eat what we have at home. 
because I'm not stopping to get McDonald's because it's an unnecessary cost at the moment. Oh, oh that's a very political way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom, can we go to McDonald's? You got some McDonald's money? Oh, that's so funny. Um, things a black mother would say. I hope you know the, I hope you know your schoolwork the way you know those songs. Uh, you need to stop singing all these songs and make sure you got your grades together because if I get your report card and you got C's and D's, it's gonna be trouble. <laughs> oh. oh, and I knew all the songs. <laughs> I knew songs I shouldn't even know the words to, but I knew all the. Why songs. Why am I not surprised? Oh my gosh! Um, things a black mother would say when we get in the store. Don't touch don't nothing. Touch nothing. Don't, don't ask don't for ask nothing. Because <laughs> you ain't getting it. it. <laughs> See, you already knew what I was saying. Oh, uh, that, that we was get universal. That, w- that is very universal. And it's so crazy how deep the culture goes. Like, none of us are raised together, mm-hmm. but we all know we what this all, all means. And we all have heard that. I know you've said that. I've said that. I ain't even a black mother. <laughs> hey, look, if we get in here, don't ask nothing. Don't ask for nothing. Don't touch nothing. We're not getting it. We're going to yep. the grocery store. We're going to get milk and bread. Don't you put no cereal in here. Because <laughs> you're not getting it. That means Code did not throw a temper tantrum like these oh other people. Because I'm that not is her. So funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, things a black mother would say. Keep playing and see what happens. Oh. <laughs> Somebody about to get in trouble. You already know. Um, oh, here's another one. Things a black mother would say. Stop running in and out of my house. Sit down, either stay out or stay in, but you let all my cool air out. So sit down. Yeah, black mamas got a they they have a, a monopoly on the cool air. Like the cool air don't belong yes, to nobody. Yeah, it's like else you let all the cool air out the house. <laughs> Yo, one time my mom, she's gonna kill me for telling this story. Tell but we had like a gang of cousins. Like we mm. always had a gang of cousins over, or we were at their house. And she sent us all outside so she could watch her stories, you know, the soap operas or whatever. And so we were knocking on the door like, we want some water. She gave us a single cup of water. Wow. For us to pass around. I'm like, seriously, I don't even want the water no more. I'm good on water. Oh, at least that's better. I mean, my mom, you better drink from that spigot outside. (laughs) You better grab that water hose. But could you imagine sharing a single cup with all your cousins? Somebody backwashing. That's gangster. Because you know, it's always one person want to drink all the water. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. And you didn't want to run the risk of trying to come inside because if you came inside, you wasn't going back outside. Nope. It was time to take a nap then. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of things the black mother would say, you smell like outside. You smell like you've been running around outside. You smell like a little puppy. You need to go take a bath. And do not, my mom's thing was do not get in my bed with your street clothes on because you smell mm-hmm. like outside. No, yeah. You, if you smell like outside, you, you damn sure had to either take a bath or take a shower. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, things a black mother would say. I brought you in this world and I can take I you can out. Take you out. Don't, don't play me. Don't, do not play me. Ah. <laughs> uh, and this one's universal. Things a black mother would say, go sit down somewhere. Literally, go sit down somewhere and get out of my face. <laughs> you better get, and that's usually preceded by, you better get out of my face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, um, this one didn't go around to everybody, but I'm, but I'm pretty sure a lot of black people heard this one. Things a black mother would say, don't make me slap the black off of you. 
exactly that. No translation needed. Do not make me slap the black off of you. Because your black mother literally would slap the black off of you. <laughs> or into next week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll knock you in the next week. Um, uh, and last but not least, things a black mother would say, don't make me have to come in there. Oh, Lord. That means you better do what I told you to do. Because if I come in there, it's going to be trouble, trouble, <laughs> trouble, trouble, trouble. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. I, I had those written. Out. I had to had to play that game with you because uh, I'm pretty sure you've probably uttered all of these. I have some of those. Yes. Maybe all of them. <laughs> I love us. I love our culture. Yes. Like black people can make a joke out of anything. <laughs> oh, trust me. The the listeners are laughing right now because everybody who's who's listening to this, if they didn't say it to their child, they, they heard probably it. said it to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got that McDonald's on all the time. I want to go to McDonald's. You got some McDonald's money? <laughs> yeah, especially if it wasn't the weekend. My sister and I growing up, we only got McDonald's on the weekends. Man, listen. I, <laughs> My I, daddy I, got paid. I talked about it on the podcast before. Like, we might, unless we were going out of town or something like that, we might have got McDonald's maybe once a month. You yep. know, eating out was That was a privilege. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was a privilege. <laughs> so it's like, and that's why I'm like, man, are we raising these little spoiled kids in this house? Because like yes. every Friday, every Friday, dad, are we getting pizza and wings tonight? Are we getting, uh, we going to the we going to the steakhouse tonight. I'm like, bro, <laughs> hey man, you better make you a sandwich or something. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. Like my oldest son, his favorite meal is steak, and the youngest one, his favorite meal is crab legs. Like, what the hell? Yeah, like we didn't. That was adult food when we were growing exactly. up. We eat that. Yeah, I, you know what? It's funny, Q. I don't think I ate a steak until I got to college. <laughs> I like, like you, like my mom. She would if she cooked steak. She would cut you a piece of her steak, but you get a whole steak. <laughs> Hell no, man! And crab, no. You could get some of the crab. You wasn't getting a yeah. whole crab legs, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, these children are definitely spoiled, <laughs> and don't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't even realize. It. Yeah, but mine, they want to go out to eat every weekend. I'm like, nah, bro. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Oh yeah. man, that has been the show. I, I gotta thank. Thank you for coming through, uh, aka Shante, as as you all know. Um, anything you want to plug? Tell people where they can find you, uh, where they can catch your your selfie game or anything. Anything you got going on? <laughs> um, right, just Facebook and and Instagram. L Shante, uh, Shante with a C C H A N T A Y, and that's that's okay. Facebook and Instagram, same handle. Okay, okay. L Shante. Well, I mean, I think this has been a great podcast, if I do say so myself. Uh, to all the black mothers, a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you, Q. Um, thank you. I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. Once again, this has been the latest edition of the 12 Kyle Podcast. So for my girl, Shantae, I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5,000.